Good morning, Hope City. Would you join together and worship with us today?
Hey guys, so it's that time of year again, back to school. Yeah, we do not know what school is gonna look like this year. I know, right? But we're gonna be prepared. Yes. So listen, we plan to get 100 book bags to some families in our community, and we're gonna need your help to do that. Here's what we need. We need $10 per book bag donated, sponsored by you guys to help us get this mission accomplished. Yeah. How can we do that? Oh, it's super easy. All you have to do is go to hopecitync.com slash give, just look for the give button and click on the drop down that says book bag sponsorship. You can click that, give it online, and it'll be taken care of. Just $10 per book bag. All right, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a community meal on August the 12th. Yep. Hope Truck Food Co is gonna be providing the meal. Hope Truck that Food night. Co. Great food. We're gonna invite these families over and we're gonna be providing those book bags that have been so generously blessed by you guys. Uh, on that night. So yeah. listen, we need your support. We need you guys to partner with us on this. We want to be a blessing to our community. I know you guys are going to come through. You always do. So we love you guys and we look forward to seeing those donations coming in. Yeah. Hey, if you could have them in by August 9th, that would be awesome. Absolutely. Well, I'm out. Out. Thank you guys. See ya. So from the very beginning of our church's existence, we have been a body of believers who love to be generous with our community. And you just saw some examples of how you can get involved with being generous, whether that's through your time, maybe you'd like to come out to the community meal and just sit down next to a family that's gonna be here and have a conversation with them. Or maybe you wanna be generous with your finances right now just by sponsoring a book bag. All of those things are great. All of those things go above our tithes that we are called to give to the Lord. And so I just wanna encourage you today to continue to be faithful with your tithes. And you can do that so simply, whether that's online or by mailing it in or even here in person. Hey, I know we've probably have some people out there who are watching the service for the very first time. And if that is you, you're gonna see a button pop up on your screen and it's gonna say connection card. We would love for you to click on that and just fill out a quick form, tell us a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you and then we can introduce ourselves to you as well. Guys, I now get the privilege of introducing you to my very best friend, Lori Dalton. So let's go ahead and turn our attention to what God has to say through her teaching today. Well, good morning. 
I am so happy to be back and speaking um, to you guys again, and I feel like the Lord has a great word for all of us today, including myself. Um, I got to revisit some of my past journals with the Lord when I was preparing for this and asking God, what does he have for me to say to the church today? And um, just revisiting some of my history with the Lord and, um, and to be able to share that with you guys is just such an honor to me. Um, so we're going to start with John 4, 23 through 24. Super well-known story. Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, and he has just uh, told her what he knows about her. He's revealed that he knows um, that she's had a lot of husbands. The man that she's living with now isn't her husband. And of course, in response to that, she's, she is now deflecting, which is what we do when we get confronted and she's deflecting because Jesus has revealed to her sin. And she, so she kind of changes the subject and says, well, you Jews say that um, we need to worship in Jerusalem, but we want to worship here on this mountain. And Jesus does something profound. He changes the subject pretty much and just says, listen, that's not important. And then in verse 23, he starts and he says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. I mean, how many times have we read that verse? Or how many times have we heard it taught on? As a worship leader, I myself have used it in worship sets. Oh, let's, let's worship in spirit and truth. And I'll be really honest, half the time, I didn't even know what it meant. <laughs> you know, I would use the scripture and tell people to worship that way and then think, well, whatever that means. I learned after studying this for the past month or so that I didn't really have a clue what it meant. And honestly, I'm still learning but about five or six years ago, I was watching this documentary, and I heard a man named R.T. Kendall say something in this documentary called Holy Ghost, and it changed my life. I mean, it, I, people say that a lot, but this literally changed my life, especially my Christian life. And um, he wrote a book called um, Holy Spirit, I think, or maybe it's called Holy Fire. But anyway he makes this statement, and he says, it's my view that the fear of God will not return to the church until the truth and the Spirit come together again. The simultaneous combination will result, will result in spontaneous combustion. And when I heard him say that, he was pretty much saying that church, some churches get the truth part really well, and some churches get the Holy Spirit part really well. But if those two would merge and come together in perfect harmony, and we allowed 
the spirit and truth to come together equally in our lives, in the church, it would result in what he says is spontaneous combustion. I like to call it revival. That's what we need for revival to happen in our lives and in our churches. So when I heard him make that comment, as someone who had grown up in church her entire life, I mean, my parents were the ones who were at church every time the door was open. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights, we were there. I went to Christian school. I went to Christian college the first two years of my college experience. And I got saved at the age of five but I don't know that I really understood what it meant for spirit and truth to come together in my life. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment and told me this is what's been missing. So that's what I wanna talk about today. And what does it mean? All of that sounds great, but what does it mean? So we need to break it down I love to break things down, and I want to find out what is truth, what is spirit, and what does it mean for my life? What does it mean for your life? What does it mean for our church? What does it mean for our families? And if that's the kind of worshiper that God desires, then we need to know what truth is and what spirit is and what it means to us. So let's get philosophical. Um, when I was at Liberty University my sophomore year, um, I, I'll just be honest, I was not a great student, and um, I'm sure that was much to the dismay of my parents. They were shelling out a lot of money for me to go to college, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and I really just went to have fun and to be out on my own and experience that kind of independence. So anyway, um, I went to Liberty because one of my friends from church was going there and we were gonna room together. And um, I needed to take um, philosophy, it was a requirement. And um, so there was a night class and even though I lived on campus, I signed up for this night class because my friend was in it. And um, so I loved this class, which was shocking because it sounded like a lot of deep thinking. And I I wasn't really a deep thinker at that point. I was too busy, like caring about clothes and boys and just having a good time. But I took this philosophy class and I'll never forget it because um, we talked about some really deep things in that class. And one of the things was differing worldviews of what truth really is. So this conversation has been going on a long time. Plato, um, Aristotle, all these philosophers, they love to talk about what is truth. Well, we as believers base our whole um, theology, our understanding of God on something called absolute truth. Now listen, don't go to sleep on me while I'm talking about this, because it's important. Absolute truth is what we base our faith on, that there is only one truth. But the world and in our culture, they, I would say, subscribe to the teaching of relative truth, which means, okay, it's your experience, it's your perception of truth. Whatever you wanna believe, well, that's truth to you. 
But I'm telling you that there is an absolute truth, and it is God. God is truth. Truth is who God is. So when you think about the word truth, and I can thank my friends, Andy Roy and Chris Vi for this, when I have a deep question, I love to text the two, and then we have a group text that goes on, and I was like, guys, what do you think truth is? And so I get this response back, and I loved it. It's the purest form of something, the very essence. That's the truth. And God is absolute. He's not a perception. He's not an experience. He is the purest form of himself. He is truth, and he cannot lie. He cannot contradict himself. And because that's who he is, then his word is truth. So scripture, the word, the very inspired, God-inspired, God-breathed word that we have in the Bible is truth. Every word that God speaks is truth. And Jesus said himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The truth. And what he was saying when he described himself as the truth He was saying, I am the very essence of God right here in front of you. Do you want to know the essence of God? Well, here I am. That's what he's saying. Here I am right in front of you, revealed. So what does truth do for us? Well, there's a couple things. If you're a note taker, it's going to be really easy for you to take notes on this. The first thing that I want to talk about that truth does is truth sanctifies That's a big word. It's a big church word, but it just means it sets us apart. What truth does, what God does, and what his word does is it provides guidelines for us to live by so that we can emulate Christ, so that we can manifest the nature of God in us, so that we can live out his nature. And that's why God gave us his word as truth, as the guideline. John 17, 17, Jesus says this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The context of this verse is that Jesus was praying this over his disciples. He was praying this for his disciples, that they would be set apart by truth. I think it would be easy to say that we all would agree that the world doesn't feel pure. It doesn't feel um, truthful. It feels pretty dark. And what Jesus was praying was that his disciples would stand out as set-apart people by truth, by the standard. The second thing truth does is truth is a light. It guides us. It sheds light on things. It sheds light on sin, and it keeps us from being led astray. Again, it sets a standard in the dark. And wow, do we need that today? Jesus says this in John 3, 20 through 21. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. 
people that are living by truth, by the standard of truth, and it's evident in their life that they're set apart, they are not afraid to be exposed for the light to shine on them because they're living by the standard of truth. I think that it's always kind of scared me, um, especially like growing up in church and knowing that God could see everything that I was doing and he could hear every thought. I didn't, I didn't really want <laughs> for my thoughts and my deeds to be exposed. And probably it was because I most likely in that moment wasn't living by the standard of truth. So the third thing truth does, truth brings freedom. When we submit to the truth, to God and his standard, his ways, we're no longer slaves to the liar. John 8, 32, Jesus is talking again about this, and he says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We hear that verse used a lot. I think a lot of times we hear it out of context. So let's look at the verse ahead of it. In that, Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. We love to quote that verse about the truth setting us free, but there's a precursor. Hold to his teaching. Look to the standard of truth of who God is and what he says and value it enough to model our lives by that. Then we get the freedom. Truth, when we look to it and value it, then we get the freedom. But talking about truth, well, here's what I think is the sad truth. I think what is so sad is that most Christians or churchgoers don't really even value the truth enough to want to live by it. And I don't say that in a condemning way. I say that because I was one of them. To me, it felt like a bunch of rules. And if you know me well enough, you know I'm a little bit of a rebel. I don't like being told what to do. If you give me rules, I'm probably going to want to break them. And so how do we get to a place where we value the truth enough to want to live by it? Well, that is where spirit comes in. And this is where the revival that I had in my life comes in. So what is spirit? Well, God is spirit too. God is truth and God is spirit. But these sides of his nature have different roles. So the spirit allows us to experience who God is. The spirit makes God understood to us. And he does that by the first thing that spirit does is he gives revelation. Spirit gives revelation. He gives us the ability to understand the truth and word of God. John 16 verses 13 through 14 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive 
what he will make known to you. John Calvin, a French pastor and theologian, he's uh, responsible for the, um, the Calvinist uh, doctrine. He said this, Without the illumination of the Spirit, the Word will have no effect. If we don't have the revelation of the Spirit, then the truth of the Word, the truth of who God is, will never have any impact on us or our lives. I'm reading a book right now called, um, what is it called? Having a senior moment. Um, how did we get the Bible? That's, I think that's what it's called. But it's by an author named Timothy Paul Jones, and he's a professor of theology. And he says this, reading the Bible without the Spirit is like trying to read a map in a cave without some sort of light. The map might be right in front of you, but you'll never figure out which way to go. The Spirit is the one that sheds light and helps us to see the word and truth clearly and understand what it means. Otherwise, it's just a book. Otherwise, God is just God, a far-off being, and we'll never have any understanding of who he is. We need the Spirit to bring revelation of who he is and what his word means. The second thing that the Spirit does is he gives power. We love to talk about that. His power gives us the ability to live the truth every single day in our lives and to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. It is the equipping to fulfill the call to be followers of Christ. And boy, do I need that. I wouldn't be up here teaching without the power of the Spirit. I would be trembling somewhere in the corner when somebody asked me to teach. But it's the Spirit that gives the power to be able to fulfill the call. Acts 1.8, Jesus is talking here, and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What's interesting about this is this is the very last thing Jesus said to his disciples before he was taken up to heaven. It must be pretty important if it's the last thing that he's leaving them with. So, I mean, think about it. He's, they, the disciples, they're Jews. They've grown up um, being taught about the Messiah that's coming, the promise of the Messiah, and they have seen it happen. They've seen the fulfillment of that promise that we know in the Old Testament. And it's changed their whole life because Messiah has come. He has come, he has been crucified, and they saw him raised from the dead. And now here he is in front of them, getting ready to go back up to heaven. And he's given them a call, a crazy, scary call to tell people, to be witnesses of what they've seen, of the good news. But it's not going to be a popular message. They knew that they could die for this, and guess what? Most of them did die for it. So he was telling them they don't have to be afraid that they would have the power of the Holy Spirit on them. 
and that he would equip them with every single thing that they needed to fulfill this call, to be witnesses, which is what we have the same call on our lives today, to live out the nature of God as witnesses of who he is and of the standard that he has set for us. It's pretty important. The third thing that spirit does, spirit brings freedom. Just like truth brings freedom, spirit brings freedom. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 17 says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. And whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I think we tend to use that verse out of context too, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. It's not talking about freedom to do whatever we want or to live however we want. This is talking about the freedom of the new covenant. It's the freedom to know God, who he really is, the very essence of who he is, the truth of who he is, with no veil in between us. Israel, the Jews, couldn't even come into his presence They couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. They couldn't even see him for who he really was. And in this case, seeing Jesus for who he really was, they still had that veil in place. But we have, through Jesus, have the ability, because the Lord is spirit, to see him for who he really is right in front of us. Freedom to know God, to come into his presence, see the truth of who he is with no veil in between us because that veil has been torn in two. We can know God, who he is. We can, and not only that, we can read truth. We can read his words and understand it because of the spirit. And we can approach truth and experience the freedom because of the freedom of the spirit. They work together. Spirit and truth will always be in perfect agreement because they are one person. God the truth and God the spirit cannot contradict himself because that would make him a liar. And that's the very opposite of truth. We know who the liar is. Truth and spirit work together in perfect harmony. And only Holy Spirit can persuade us and give us total confidence of the truth. I quoted R.T. Kendall at the beginning. Um, I I love his books. I love his teaching. And he says this, Because there has been a diminishing of the knowledge of the Holy Spirit in our day, in our generation, it's not surprising that many people are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And even Ephesians 4.14 talks about this when it says, when it's talking about infants being tossed back and forth by the waves, 
being deceived by poor teaching, poor doctrine. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, the knowledge of the Holy Spirit of who he is, and let him move in our life, then we will be infants for the rest of our Christian life, tossed back and forth by the waves of life and being deceived, deceived by the liar, deceived by poor teaching, deceived by poor doctrine. And I think that's why we see so many Christians fall away from their faith. Even pastors, even people that are teaching and are on the stage, we see them denouncing their faith and saying, well, I don't really believe that anymore. Maybe if they had a more correct view, maybe if we as the church had a more correct view and knowledge of who Holy Spirit is, that wouldn't happen to us. And we would experience revival in our lives and in the church. And so I want to give you a picture of what this looks like. I'm, re- I'm really big on analogies and stories, and I feel like God talks to me a lot through uh, pictures of things. And when I was going back through my journals, um, I, I remember, or and I came across this entry where I was asking the Holy Spirit to show me something about himself. I was on this new journey of getting to know who the Holy Spirit was and what he wanted to do in my life and teach me. And so I was sitting there saying, Holy Spirit, would you show me what you're like? And I got this image of a river, of like a fast-flowing river, really like you would go like whitewater rafting on. It was powerful and flowing in one direction, and it was a moving, strong current. And he was telling me, this is what I'm like. I'm full of power, I'm, I, and I am headed in one direction, the direction of the kingdom. And I'm inviting you to just dive in and be a part of that. So thinking about that, it, it sparked this thought of a time when I was in college and career. I was probably 19 or 20, and um, I was part of a ministry in High Point, And um, I was on staff as a college and career intern. And uh, we'd, we were going to go inner tubing. And I'd never been before. I'm, I'm just not outdoorsy. And I'm, I'm really not into any kind of water that has like fish or snakes or gross things in it. But I was like, oh, it'll be fun. At least my friends are going to be there. You know, sure, I'll give it a try. So we get out to the river that we're going to tube down. And we have these huge inner tubes. And if you've ever tried to get on like a raft in a pool, you know it's not really the most easy thing to do. It's, you can't really be graceful when you're getting onto a raft. And if you know me, you know I'm one of the most clumsy people in the world. Graceful is not even in my vocabulary. So I'm trying to get on this tube, and um, I, I go to get on it. And, you know, you have to do the big, like, jump to get on it. And the river, which is moving pretty quick, sucks the tube out from underneath me. And the tube goes flying down. And I get, like, I land on my back in the water in this current. And I'm getting sucked under. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm drowning. I'm drowning. I can't get my head above the water. And I, all, all my friends are just standing around looking at me laughing. And I'm thinking, hello, I'm drowning and you're just standing over there, and it, it literally felt like probably 15, well, I say 15 minutes, I'd be dead. It felt like at least five minutes, 
but in reality, it was probably 20 seconds of my head being underwater, feeling like I was drowning. And I finally get up, and I'm yelling, you know, I'm, my head's above the water, finally. I'm, like, straightening my bathing suit and, tell, you know, calling down, somebody catch my tube for me. So finally, I get on the tube, and I, I go about my inner tubing experience. So anyway, I say all that to say I probably will never go inner tubing again. I haven't been back um, lazy river is more my style. But, and you're thinking, what on earth, Lori, does this have to do with truth and spirit? Well, I'm going to tell you. So I want you to look at, just like Holy Spirit gave me this image of the river being Holy Spirit. Well, and same in this story. You think about it. The current is the spirit, and the, the inner tube is truth. Now, I could take my inner tube and sit on the edge and be sitting on the inner tube of truth, and I would never get anywhere. I would be watching the spirit, the current, the river flowing and moving, but I would not be participating. The current is going to keep moving in the direction of the kingdom, whether we participate with it or not. And another thing about it, we can't control the current. I couldn't control the water and able to keep my, you know, in and give me the ability to keep my head above the water. I can't control what Holy Spirit is doing. I cannot control the direction that the kingdom is moving in. But if I want to be part of it and move with it, then I need to be seated securely on the inner tube of truth, working in perfect harmony, seated on the inner tube of truth, then I can flow in partnership, secure with truth, but moving with the freedom and the power of the Spirit. And only then can we operate as God intended for us. He intended for us to work and know truth, to work and know Spirit together in perfect harmony, that is how we can live that abundant life that he's promised to us. That is how we can be effective and fulfill the call that he has put on our life. You know, I said earlier, I grew up in church. I was there every time the doors were open. I went to Christian school. We, were, we memorized scripture. We would have these things called sword drills where, you know, the teacher would call out a scripture verse and whoever found it first would stand up and I, I went to Christian college as a worship leader in youth and in college and into my adulthood. I heard tons of teaching. I knew the truth. I had accepted truth when I was five, when I became a Christian. But I didn't get introduced to the Spirit until I was about 30. And he came looking for me. And that's when I experienced revival in my life. You can call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, other people call it sanctification. Whatever you want to call it, I experienced revival, and it radically changed me. I was at a point where I was tired of the struggle of feeling like I could never perform. I could never meet the standards that God had set for me. And when Holy Spirit called to me, when he started speaking to me in that moment, watching a documentary, 
he was saying to me, Lori, there's so much more. There's so much more than truth alone. Because really, truth without spirit is just religion. And he wants more for us than that. And I guess my question to you, and my, what I want you to think, you're sitting there at home and watching this, I want you to just really evaluate where you're at in your life, whether you're a brand new Christian, whether you know Jesus or not. Maybe you don't even know the Lord. This sounds like a foreign language to you. Or maybe you've been like a Christian a long time, like I had been but you're not satisfied. You're tired of the struggle, constantly feeling like you're failing or falling into the same thing. I'm telling you the answer today. If you want a revival in your life, if you want the Lord to start something new for you, for your family, all you have to do is ask. It started with a really simple prayer for me, just saying, Holy Spirit, I want more of you. Would you show me who you are? Would you show me how I can partner with you? So whether you need more truth, or whether you need more spirit, or whether you need more both of them, just ask for it. Where you are right now, ask for more truth in your life, that that you would be able to see and experience God for who he truly is, that you would be able to open the word and understand what it says. And then ask for more spirit. Ask for the revelation and the understanding that he can give you. And seek after it like it's buried treasure. The good news is this treasure you don't have to go hunting for. All you have to do is ask. That's it. It's yours for the taking. And so I just want to pray for you right now, where you are, that Holy Spirit would come to you, that he would speak to you the exact same way that he spoke to me, and that he would start calling to you, that he would woo you into a relationship that you didn't even know could exist. So I just want to pray for you right now. Holy Spirit, I pray for every single person that is watching this video, whether they're home alone, whether they're there with their families, whether their kids are running around screaming and distracting them, God, but I pray that you would meet them right where they are, right there, just like you met with me. It wasn't even in a church service. You met and called to me in the privacy of my own home, and you radically changed my life. You started to woo me, and I pray right now that you would start to do the same thing for them, that you would call to the secret places, the hidden places in their lives, the deep places in their hearts, that you would just ignite a spark of desire to know you and to experience you, to know your truth and to experience your presence, that you would give more truth, that you would give more spirit and that you would change their lives and show them that there is intimacy in relationship with you that is so much better, that is so much more satisfying than anything this world could ever offer. And Holy Spirit, I pray for the one that's watching that doesn't even know you at all, that you would woo them too, 
into relationship, that you would show them that, no, this isn't about a bunch of rules. This isn't about a bunch of standards that we can never live up to. This is about getting to know our creator in an intimate way where we can be seen and known and loved and accepted, but then changed too, changed into your image. I pray that you would just invite them into that today, that you would radically change their lives, that you would radically change our families' lives, that you would radically change this church and let revival start today. We thank you so much that you would love us even enough to call us into relationship. We love you and we worship you. We thank you that you're making us into worshipers that worship in spirit and in truth. And we can pray these things because of Jesus, our Messiah, because of the new covenant. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.